Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the 504th anniversary of the Lutheran Reformation. On this day, in 1517, an Augustinian friar and professor at the Wittenberg University named Dr. Martin Luther posted 95 theses on the castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany. These are points of debate. And the issue at debate was concerning the sale of indulgences. Now this sparked a controversy which split the church. And a few years later, when Luther was charged with being a heretic by the Roman church, and he was asked to recant, to retract what he had said, Luther insisted that what God said in sacred scripture must always have the last word. He said, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust in either the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that these have often erred and contradicted each other. I am bound by the scriptures that I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything, since it is neither right nor safe to go against conscience. I cannot do otherwise. Here I stand. May God help me. Amen. The Lutheran Reformation of the 16th century was sparked by a commitment to what God's Word, the Bible, says above all else. And when you reform something, you don't start from scratch. You preserve what you can, and you fix what you can't. Reformations are kind of like planting trees, or trimming trees. You're going to trim a tree. What are you going to do? A bush or a tree. You don't dig out the whole tree and plant a new one. You don't whack down the entire tree at the root. No, you trim selectively, carefully, maybe even skillfully at times. This is not about shaking a defiant fist at the Pope or about breaking away from the big, bad Catholic Church. No, this is about a reformation. This is supposed to be about correcting what was wrong and preserving what was right. There's always a need for reformation. The Bible has often been a book that's been lost throughout history, buried and forgotten between, beneath the rubble of ignorance or tyranny and unbelief. That's the way it was during the time of Josiah in our Old Testament reading. In our Old Testament reading, we find that the people of Judah, the people of God, were in desperate need of their own reformation. And just like the 16th century, 
In Josiah's day, it was the word of God which sparked their reformation. You remember the story of Josiah, don't you? Uh, King Josiah was only eight years old when he began to be king. And when he had ruled for about 18 years, they were doing some renovations, much much needed repairs on the temple, Solomon's temple. And during these renovations, somebody found a dusty old scroll long forgotten. The book of the law of the Lord. We would call it Deuteronomy. Now imagine for a moment the excitement. The growing awareness that this is no ordinary book. And as and the final realization that this is nothing else than the word of God spoken by Moses. But along with that excitement, there was a bit of fear, wasn't there? So the priests and the secretaries read this book and they were frightened by and they were frightened so much that they immediately brought it to the king. And Josiah immediately took note of the repeated stress that the Creator God demanded worship above all else to the exclusion of everything, and that there were warnings of imminent disaster and exile if the people failed to listen to God's word. And the king was absolutely horrified. Their nation had been plagued with with a sickness that was both spiritual and public. They had an obligation to care for the the less fortunate, the poor, and the widows, and the fatherless, and to see to it that justice was done for all. Instead, they threw that right out the window. The Lord was given lip service, but the people had accepted worship of all other gods as just as legitimate. In Josiah's day, the people had not celebrated the feast of the Passover for over 600 years. Imagine you not celebrating Easter for 600 years. The Israelites were basically pagan at this point, little different than the nations around them. And so Josiah knows that the Lord is right angry with them. And why? Because they did not pay attention to his word. But along with that scary word of wrath, Deuteronomy also had a word of hope. Suppose they return to the Lord. Suppose they repent and begin to take God's word seriously again. What then? Then, in that case, God would forgive their sins. And he would shower his blessings on them. And so they have a consultation. What are they going to do? Did you notice Josiah's response? This book was not just for the scribal elite in the temple. This book wasn't just for footnotes and academic study. What does he do? He gathers the whole people because it's the whole people who have been unfaithful. And so Josiah starts his great reformation by doing this. He gathers all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem together to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests, and all the prophets, all the people, small and great. And what did he do? He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Did you know it? Did you see it? 
What is he, how does the Reformation of Josiah's day start? It starts by a public reading of the Bible, of Holy Scripture. Scripture was central to Josiah's Reformation. It's, it showed the people how their spiritual and public life had fallen short and what they needed to do to improve it. Sadly, Josiah was succeeded by kings who completely reversed all of the reforms that he did. And those warnings in Deuteronomy came true. Exile, Babylon came, and it was downhill from there. The Bible has often been a book that's been lost and forgotten throughout history. That's the way it was before the Reformation of Josiah. That's the way it was before the Reformation in the 16th century. Even today, the Bible is the world's most widely distributed book, and yet it's seldom read, even by Christians. It's regarded by today as many, by many as mythical or outdated or both. A rediscovery of God's word needs to happen, and it needs to happen in every generation. We can't simply live off of what was done in a previous generation or a previous reformation. What did Jesus say? If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Being a disciple is not like being a member of a political party or being part of the local gun club. No, we can claim any sort of affiliation or club membership we want. We can call ourselves Christians. We can call ourselves Lutherans. Your heritage won't help you. Did the Israelite heritage help them? No, their heritage did not help them one bit. Did the Christian heritage of Europe help them or prevent them from trusting in their own spark of goodness instead of God's word in the 16th century? No. And your Lutheran heritage will not help you. It, just because you were born in a Lutheran church and went to a Lutheran church does not necessarily mean you're automatically saved and going to heaven. But to be a disciple of Jesus is to continue in his word. We're connected to Jesus by hearing his word and letting his word work in you. There's a promise for anyone who continues in the word of Jesus. Did you hear it? If you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who's the truth? Jesus. Jesus is the truth. His word is truth. To abide in the truth, to continue in the truth, is to continue in Jesus. The truth is that we're sinners. And that does not simply mean that we're the ones who sin. That means, you know, we're the ones who do bad things, think bad things, say bad things. No, it's much deeper than that. What does Jesus say? He says we are slaves to sin. Whoever sins is a slave to sin. Do you sin? In case you aren't sure, the commandments say you do. Do you fear, love, and God, trust in God above all things? 
Do you use the name of God rightly in prayer and worship? Do you gladly hear and learn God's Word? Do you honor father and mother in all temporal authorities? Do you help your neighbor in every need? Do you keep your marriage pure and encourage others to do the same? Do you help your neighbor keep their and protect their own property? Do you defend the reputation of others by always putting the best construction on everything? Do you desire what doesn't belong to you? Are you content with what you have? I think if you read though that list, you'll realize that we all come short. The law is not given to provide you with a ladder that you can climb to heaven. It's not a to-do list. Your commandments are a mirror that show you and show me the state of our souls. Even though we were born slaves to sin, God did not abandon us. In God's Word, we're told that the Son has set us free. How? Well, think of that old hymn. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Our Savior Jesus, God's own Son, shed his blood on the cross for our sins, to atone for our sins, to declare us not guilty, to free us from the power that sin has over us. Remember Jesus' words. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Continue in his word. Josiah and the priests and the people, they saw their need to continue in God's word. Luther saw the need to continue and to stand firm in God's word. And we must continue in it today. That means holding to God's word, never letting it go. It means letting that word sink deep into your hearts, deep into your life, so that it becomes a, the fabric of your very being. And when that word of forgiveness and life is preached and taught, the Lord Jesus Christ wants you to hear it and to learn it and to trust it. Jesus sets us free from our slavery to sin. And he does it through the word. Continue in that word. His word is truth and he works through the word. The power of baptism to save you was not because the water was special. It's because of the word of God works forgiveness of sins in and with the water. By his almighty word, Christ's body and blood are present with the bread and the wine and given to you. Lord Jesus in his word has authorized his church to absolve those who repent and believe. When, whenever that word comes to you, Christ is there to set you free. So, 
on this 504th anniversary of the Reformation, I want you to continue in the reforming word. Continue in that reforming word and you will be forgiven. Continue in that word and you will be free indeed. Continue in the word and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to The Church Door. Thanks again for tuning in. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, you can reach me, Pastor Matthew Fenn, at revfenn, R-E-V-F-E-N-N, at icloud.com. Look forward to having you with us again next time.